Disc Golf Talk America. With Siege and Jeff. Welcome to Disc Golf Talk America. I am your host, Siege, and I'm here with... Jeff, nice to meet you guys. And we are going to be talking about everything and anything disc golf related. This episode, uh, for our first podcast, we'll be talking about the Las Vegas Open. Number one episode here, so we're going to you know, bear with us. We're going to get into the, the grits and the grinds of everything. It was a pretty exciting uh, tournament, to say the least. The final card on the last round was uh, kind of gripping. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we'll start by talking about the FPO. Uh, they started at the Wild Horse Infinite course, which is one of the three courses for the Innova Premier uh, courses in Las Vegas. Um, first round FPO footage that we watched was courtesy of Jomez Pro, not a sponsor or an affiliate, but it is, you know, in my opinion, one of the most elite. Uh, we got to shout them out. Yeah, we got to <laughs> shout them out. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, our lead card was Paige Shu. We had Evelina Sullinan, Hannah Bloomrose, and, of course, Katrina Allen, because hey, it's pretty rare that she doesn't make it to a lead card. Um, Evelina. Showing the putting woes early, leaving herself long, windy butts, and um, usually are the round circle's edge. And this pretty much continued through the whole first round. I really felt bad for her, Jeff. Yeah, and to be honest with you, like I thought she was throwing solid throughout everything, and just a couple of things got loose. you know. Yeah. And when a couple of things get loose, it's kind of hard to come back from. Yeah, and it, you know how it is with that circle's edge putt. You dip off the rim or hit the band and... And um, like we'll get to with Anthony Barella and stuff, he didn't make for four rounds. He didn't make anything outside of that outside rim. Yeah, I mean, he uh, didn't make a single putt. No, outside, <laughs> you know, outside like no. what 20, 30 feet. You know, yeah, so. he, the woes for him were in the twenty-five meter range or twenty-five right. foot range. Right. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I I want to just address the fact that the weather conditions for this entire tournament Nasty. were super not ideal. Not fun. <laughs> uh, 18 mile an hour gusts of wind at most points in time. Uh, a lot of changing of directions for winds when it came to whatever hole they were on. And you saw a lot of the guys, they were literally wearing gloves on their, their opposite hand of their throwing hand. Just to stay warm. And then they were taking the, the glove off, you know, of their throwing hand just to try to kind of keep it, you know, sus- I guess respectable, I guess, you know, like, I mean, there, there was guys there, you know, beanies and gloves and jackets and sweaters and, you know, so yeah, it wasn't to say the least, not fair conditions. <laughs> um, for the FPO, the first round coverage really was kind of lackluster in a lot of ways for the other competitors. Cause you know, Katrina Allen stepped in and did her Katrina Allen things. Um, after the first round, she finished at neg three for the solo lead, and the rest of the field was needing at least a plus three just for contention. Uh, Hannah Bloomrose was showing pretty good poise under pressure at this point. She um, had the only birdie on hole nine for round one, which is pretty impressive for the entire field. Right. So, okay. So when you were going into it, when you were going into it watching the FPL, like who did you really, did you think Alan Hat was like running away with it? Or did you think that there was somebody that was actually a contender? To be honest with you, anytime the season starts, I don't really know who to place my money on um, because there's so many factors. Um, so many people are changing hands this last season for uh, sponsors, uh, disc selection, 
angles of a release, the weather, uh, whether or not in the off season they've been practicing or coming back from an injury. And there's who, so and, many factors. And there's disc, disc change, bag changes, yeah, new sponsors. Yeah. You, you're throwing new things. Now you're doing with the wind. So you have to you have to sit there and you're like, okay, these are 20 mile an hour wind. I've, n- I've never thrown a disc in this wind. I don't know how it's going to react. I don't know, you know. Yeah. So like. For the new, for the new sponsors, for the new especially. Sponsors, it's right. like they're practicing in pretty much ideal conditions for most of these <laughs> discs, I would imagine. Um, especially these people coming from like. Where oh you're a local in Florida it's like right. yeah you're not Ari- used to this weather brother Arizona <laughs> you know Arizona Texas California all that stuff yeah I mean you, you can kind of deal with wind but most of the time it's there's no mountains there's no trees there's no nothing so when that wind comes through you're getting hit with it yeah and, like it's not and the elevation change right. a lot of people don't realize that discs fly super different under yeah different and what was elevations. what was the elevation like four thousand something forty five hundred or something for Reno talk yeah. uh, Las Vegas area I'm actually not sure I, yeah I'm not sure we'd have to double check we'd have on to that. double check uh, on we'd have to look at that but yeah I I do re- do remember them talking about just the different because they were just basically saying that everything is going to change on how the wind reacts to the pressure. And then you were seeing a lot of, in the men's especially, when they'd go like a high backhand hyzer, and you would see that disc just flip-flop. You yeah. know, it was just getting pushed Air down. bouncing. Right, yeah. air bouncing and stuff, stuff like, like that. So, so I wasn't sure, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything, you know, negative on the women because they can probably throw farther than I can. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it, they, you know, sometimes when you just release that and you don't have that power to push through that wind it seemed like the disc was was getting manipulated a lot more oh yeah especially if, if you're not really bearing down on a super overstable disc right and um, so okay Paige, but... so Paige Shu, that's another thing Paige Shu, she's new to disc craft she's also a new mom this oh, year okay. and so i feel like maybe coming back from her from from that and going into a new season with a new sponsor um just shaking off the cobwebs. There's a lot of life changes. Yeah, life changes. She was really struggling with the wind and possibly her, her disc selection uh, for the conditions. She didn't look really confident early on, and that pretty much carried through the entire round. And that's kind of crazy, too, because you would think that she, I mean, but new sponsors, I guess, that does make sense. You know, you're just still trying to figure things out. I mean, uh, I, I've got bad, you know, I've got a new disc that day and then I try to throw it and, it, and I'm like, I, why did I buy this disc? Yeah. What's the point? Of, like, you know what I'm saying? Like one day, one day I, I throw terrible and I'm like, what was the point of me spending $20 on this disc? You know, yeah. I was like, where with her, I mean, she's a professional sponsor. She's switching bags. She's doing all this stuff. Like you assume that she would play good. Yeah. But, but it depends, I, I guess, on how long she's had to settle into her bag. Um, you know, like Simon with the new MVP right, right, whole, right, whole changeover. Right. I mean, well, over and then, molds and trying to figure out how they all fly. I mean, that's that, was, that's got to be some some kind of big change for how you address different oh, wind conditions, etc. And I feel like we're gonna get to it because, like we were talking earlier before the podcast, like AB Anthony Barella. I mean, that was basically his downfall for the whole back four, or, or the, for the fourth round, the back nine. Yeah, like, it just was. He did like all they kept saying, Simon, all of them, and they're just like, I don't think he knows his bag. That is another thing that I also wanted to address with Anthony Barella with yeah. that fourth round. I mean, how does the cameraman 
Get hit, get hit, get twice hit in the twice. same I round. I, I mean, I understand. <laughs> oh, he was, so the first, the bunker hit, he was staring down the rangefinder, I think, trying to figure out how far Barella was out. Totally, yeah. And, you know, maybe that got away from him. He just lost sight of the disc. But for the second, I mean, uh, to gosh. Get, to get, I mean, honestly, how would you feel if you were that guy who got clipped twice? Um... You know what I'm saying? I believe he got clipped on the FPO card on one of Katrina Allen's oh, shots. The same, same, same spot, right? Uh, not the, I believe it was the same hole, not the same, same spot. Hole. But it was okay. off on the okay. side of the cart path. Uh-huh. And okay. hit, the disc was going to come back inbounds. Clipped him. But clipped, clipped the golf cart yeah. that he had parked. That he had parked. Yeah. yeah. So, so it didn't clip uh, him directly, but, I mean, you're in the way. That's brutal, bro. That's brutal. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a, like... You're sitting there, you're trying to film everything, you're trying to give everybody, the spectators, you, me, everybody alike, you're trying to give them like an up close, like this is what we're doing, and then you potentially have an effect on somebody's round. Oh, yeah. That's brutal. Absolutely brutal. That's brutal. That's and, super brutal. And AB, to be honest with you, because, I mean, I can't, I can't, with the AB situation, I can't really say that, like, that kind of ruined it for him, but... That kind of put it into, like, I'm just in this round, I'm getting bad luck. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I feel like most disc golfers, um, especially with this younger crowd, not some of these more veteran uh, seasoned players. Yeah, guys, you've been here for Once they get caught so, yeah. in a rut of, right. like, oh, I yep. missed this 10-footer putt in the wind, it's, it's usually that confidence stepping uh, in is gone. Who was it? Who was it? Um, uh, who was the leader before Calvin took over? Do you remember Kevin? Kevin, Kevin Jones. Uh, Kevin Jones. Kevin yeah, Jones, Kevin right? Jones okay. showing up. Right. So showing up. But what was it? A uh, uh, whole uh, fifteen or sixteen where they have to throw through like the stanchions. Mm-hmm. They have to, you know, there's like the big old thing, and then they, they have to make sure you throw, you fit it into like a ten foot, and that's how, and he literally missed it by one inch, and then clipped the tree like twenty feet behind. Yeah. And he was the number one leader going into like Calvin didn't even look like he even had a shot. Until he th- until Kevin threw that one bad. I, I want to say it was like fifteen or sixteen. Mm. Something I have like that. it in my notes. Here. I I figure you do. But um, still. So yeah, I mean, females, first round females. coverage with females. Yeah, nothing nothing too incredibly crazy. Uh, Katrina Allen finishing neg three, and she was your leader. Uh, going into the second round, they uh, switch over to the Inova Premier Course. Uh, the wind was down, which was really nice. Um, not nearly as windy or cold conditions it looked like. It looked like it was a little bit better weather conditions for them while they were out there. Katrina Allen, uh, starting at neck three, she crushed. Absolutely. Holy shit. Can I, can I just tell you something? I'm sorry to cut you off here. But you look at her rounds through three before the finals. She was under, under 60. 57, 59, 53. And then if you look at the finals rounds for all of the leaders... They're all like mid sixties, big sixties. Yeah, it looks like she really choked on that last round. I mean, not not that she didn't have a commanding lead, she had but lead. I mean, playing right. like that, it, it could have been anybody's game if somebody would have shot hotter than her through round three. And especially if you're dropping a fifty three in that third round, going into your final round, you're thinking like, oh, I just because she went what fifty seven, fifty nine, okay, couple you know miss putts here and there, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can you can kind of knock those off, you know, just become better, right? Then she hits you with a six, six, six negative six, six on her third round. Then she comes back with a plus sixteen on the fourth round compared to the thirteen, the third round. Uh, is that is that true? Let's see here. 
Well, through round two, Katrina Allen, she actually finished negative 13. So, after round two, she had basically taken 10 strokes on the card, which was right. really impressive. Um, yeah, because the next best, I mean, was shooting 60s, low 60s. Yeah. She hit, she hit high 50s. Like, that's, you know, you're, you're going, you're looking... You're looking pretty solid if the rest of the if the rest of the groups aren't even coming close to the fifty. I mean, after round two, there was some serious pullaways for the women's. Uh, Hannah Bloomrose was at neg seven, but I mean, when you're with Katrina Allen on the card and she's at neg thirteen, she's got a six-stroke swing on you. I mean, that's that's still you got a lot of ground to make up. Uh, Holly Finley, she just man, absolutely falling apart in hole seven. She took a she took a absolutely soul-crushing plus four on that hole. Um, and it, oh, oh yeah, it just, that's what happened to uh, Eagle in his in his fourth round too. He kept getting those bur- uh, bogey, 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 and he was just there was it was soul crushing. It was, yeah, it was it was kind of hard to watch to be honest. With yeah, you. it was. I mean, it was almost like yeah. that whole Gannon Burr, you know, little freak yes. out that he had where he was just throwing yeah. his and just into the basket, yes. going into OB, <laughs> and all angry, letting his feelings get in the best of him. I mean, yeah, that's what it reminded me of. But he wasn't actually trying. To do that, which is really funny. To be honest with you, so this is crazy. Just, just quick little statistics. I, I, I was looking over this, right? So, Katrina Allen was one of out of the top twenty people. She was one of two people that threw in the fifties. She hit fifty-seven. Rebecca Cox, who finished seventeenth overall, she hit a fifty-eight in the first round. Yeah. Everybody else. Hit 60s and 70s, right? Yeah. Second round, everybody else hit 60s and 70s. Top 20 I'm talking about. Everybody hits. Round two, Katrina Allen hit 59. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy to me. Right. Round three, it seems gettable because Katrina Allen got 53. You know, there was people hitting 55s, 58s, 52s. But, I mean, outside of that top 20, I mean, they were all like mid to lower or, you know, to back, back in 50s, right? Yeah. That finals round where she hit a 69, a lot of the players that were close in contention were shooting better rounds than her, and for her to pull it off, oh yeah, is pretty no, is pretty stud. Well, yeah, she gave herself plenty of cushion for the first through the first. Three That's rounds. what I'm saying, right? Yes. She dominated so big. I mean, she's she's no slouch when it comes to pressure at all. But I mean, to to think about the fact that in round four it could have been anybody's game just because of the way that she played in right. the fourth rounds. And, and she, she ended, ended up winning by four strokes. strokes. Yeah, by so, four strokes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So and, she gave herself a good cushion. She posed, I mean, she posted a 69 in the final round, and the top shoot, let's see. Well, the top 20, they weren't shooting that great. But uh, Holland, Holland Hanley, she, she shot a 60, so she was definitely making an effort to try to get out. Oh, yeah, she was trying to climb. I mean, that's a nine-stroke difference yeah. just, in the, in, just in the fourth round. Yeah, nine strokes. So she was, she was really pushing it. Yeah, you know and saying? you can you can sort of see through um, her rounds. She wasn't too far off of Katrina Allen for most of the rounds. Round one. She had a bad, bad round, too, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah, well... Yeah, yeah, it looks like she had a bad round two. And I mean, a 66 in round two when they're dropping 59 and 62. Yeah. With the two in front of you. A 66 looks bad. That's a four stroke. And then she ended up winning by four strokes. Yeah. That, that's where you would be like, damn, dude, that second round. Kind of and speak, so speaking on Rebecca Cox, with round two, she started at negative two, and she started off pretty shaky. She had a bogey on two, a par on three, and she Oh, pushed, her round two was tragic. Yeah, she pushed to neg one. Um 
And then getting aggressive on nine really threw a wrench into her game. She finished um, after 18, just not so hot. Release angles, power struggles. Um, I just don't know if the, the, the wind in round two wasn't as bad, but I think maybe she was still just trying to figure out her release angles on a lot of the, the holes out there. And to be honest with you, if you're, if you're going to look at where the people struggled, right, where the vast majority of people struggled, round two was not really the struggle. And Rebecca Cox posted a 71. Right. Okay, so our league lead, or the, the person who won the tournament, Katrina Allen, won the tournament in the finals with a 69. Rebecca Cox posted a 73. So you would understand maybe the fourth round would be difficult, but she played really good on the first on the first round and the third round, second round, fourth round, fell apart. Post, posting 70s. Yeah. That's tough. You can't post, like, if everybody else is putting, like, 66 and 68s and they're not feeling like they had a good round, and then you're you're dropping in with a 70 bomb, Yeah, that's rough. And then that mess with your psyche and stuff going into the next. To be honest with you, I had high hopes for Hannah Bloomrose just because that first round she was, she was showing that she was at least in contention to keep up with Katrina. But that second round, uh, starting at even, she, man, nothing notable. Par after par on the front nine, finally catching fire on the back nine to round out her round at next seven um, with a 16, 17, 18 turkey. So Dude, last that three is, holes. That is so wild because you look at her rounds going into the finals. I mean, 60, 62, 58. Posting solid runs because Christina Allen, who's in front. Katrina said, Or Katrina, Christina, sorry. <laughs> Katrina Allen is 57, 59, 53, but they still ended. Hannah was seven shots behind. Yeah. But it seemed like they were going into, and Hannah beat her in the fourth round, in the finals. Yeah. She, she got four plus on her, and she still ended neg seven to the winner. Like, yeah. She, I feel like what you're saying is true. Like, she played such a solid game, but she didn't. Exceed that game. No, I think you know, I think that her maybe a couple birdie putts from like a twenty footer, twenty five footer. Yeah, get you a little going. You know yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and going back and forth between the two courses, um, I mean they're they're not drastically different as far as conditions go. They're exactly the same because they're all the same right. course. But right. I mean, uh, flat and windy. <laughs> flat, yeah. Well, and not to mention the greens and the fairways because of how low the grass. I don't even know if it's grass to be honest with you. Bro, no, it's it was it was some it weird. Like a turf yeah. It was some weird because I believe that the turf, turf stuff, on the right? actual greens and stuff was painted. Yeah. So I mean, your discs being thrown at such a gnarly hyzer angle and coming in at that angle, your skips on that kind of terrain. You know, maybe was, some ice in the morning too. Well, what was wild is that that a lot of the times the announcers, like, because we were watching Jomez and stuff, right? A lot of times he'd be like, "Oh, we should get a good skip," and then the disc would just catch yeah, and die. And he was like, "What happened to the ground game?" You yeah, know what I'm no saying? ground like, play. So yeah, yes. it seemed like a lot of it was like just trying to figure out how to ground play. Yeah, because it was either too much ground play, where it was right. just getting pushed way beyond way the basket, far, way too far, way like outside circle too. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you're shooting back down, and a lot of the. What I did think about the Las Vegas, which was kind of annoying for me, just because I'm not a great disc golfer. But, <laughs> Don't but, give yourself. <laughs> hey, those ele those elevated baskets, where if you shot behind and if you missed your putt coming back, you're going down a hill and you're rolling twenty. You know, yeah. Like they were unforgiving putts. Oh, totally. If you got yourself into certain situations. Yeah, thirteen. 
Bowl 13. Oh. Uh, which, yeah, which, a, yeah. I can't remember which course <laughs> was that. Them, which there's course was that? I believe in the MPO. It's fucking brutal, bro. Yeah, like, that 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 MPO. What course was that, that had that 13th hole? I can't remember and which one was. Oh, gosh, you're like, double bunker, tiny little yes. strip to land on. And your out of bounds was the bunker, but your best shot to throw was a bunker shot. Was from the bunker. Was from the bunker. Yeah. Because you sat yourself up up top, like to where you weren't going down, or set yourself below to where you weren't going down. Right. Where, but if you skip that out of bounds, miss the bunker, now you're shooting from a down from an uphill spot going downhill. You miss that putt. You're going into the bunker. Your next thing you know, and guess what? you don't even know where you're So it's one of those yeah. things. It's like, okay, do I placement shot into the bunker and just take my stroke? Just take it, yeah. Or do and I and play par? Yeah. Or yeah. do I just kind of get crafty and see if I could make it up this tiny little grass alleyway and it hope that I don't extend past the basket, roll off the other side of the hill into oblivion, and uh, cry myself to sleep tonight when I when I take my six. <laughs> hey, and to be honest with you, though. To be honest with you, okay, so, you know, uh, I, I've, I've been playing disc golf for years and years and years, right? I mean, you know, 20 plus years, whatever. But actually focusing on a professional disc golf, like, it seemed to me that Vegas put some super sketchy out of bounds. Like, they were making them really, like, the right side, all out of bounds, but the left side, you could go freely. But yeah, on like, some holes, you had yeah. super wide swing on the left, right. and then right-hand side, it had, like, these weird outlines by rope, uh, by ropes uh, and out of bounds spots. Yeah. And, and so it, it felt weird to me, like, just because, like, and I'm not, like, an expert in it, but it felt like there was a lot of times where they had, you wanted to backhand it, it go, like, high hyzer, backhand, come in, but they were afraid of the out of bounds. So then they were pushing forehands, trying to stay, stay to the left-hand side, just so they weren't messing with that out of bounds, losing that stroke. They'd rather just lay up. Maybe get it like a decent putt, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, but but still pull that par. They weren't like it seemed like a lot of the players weren't trying to do that real sketchy shit. You know what I'm saying? They weren't like, playing like that. Uh, that uh, you know, pure hyzer. Pure hyzer. Let's just throw it and see if I can get 450, and like you know, and see where we land and stuff. Like it seemed like there was shout a lot out to of, Greg Barsby. You know, always. Crushing those super nice. I swear like there that was man a... has shown me some lines on some courses that I didn't even know existed. That you don't even know exist. And, well, Anthony Barilla, to his credit, in the end of his back nine on the final four, he was trying to run some lines that you weren't seeing in the previous rounds because he was trying to pick up strokes. Right. Right. He's trying to gain some strokes. He's trying on the to field, gain so. And it failed for him miserably, which sucks, and we can get to him later, but like. I felt like there was a lot more play. I felt like out of bounds play kind of it was a, a little bit more exaggerated. Yes, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, people were more worried about the out of bounds, like the OBs, not hit, hitting sand traps, not uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? The the final hole, eighteen. Yeah. If you go like ten feet beyond, out of bounds. Yeah. Ten feet if, beyond. If the you basket. give me a twelve foot putt from beyond the basket, I feel great about it. Yeah. yeah. But you, but put, you me put me out of bounds. bounds. Yeah. You know so you really have to pull your power off. Correct. And unfortunately, I got to put it six feet. You know, yeah. Instead of 12, you know, I got to cut that half. So I, I don't know. To me, I don't know if it felt the same way to you, but to me, it felt like the OB was kind of like a play a lot of times. Like they yeah. were, they were legitimately talking about OBs and stuff. And they were like, oh, if he backhands this and goes too, uh, too flat, 
So he's going to, you know, hit the bike path. Yeah. And, and there was a couple in the final round where they hit the bike path and got lucky rolls yeah. where they landed on the grass and they weren't over. Yeah, they actually rolled back in bounds. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I mean, these guys, these, these, these ladies and gentlemen, they're all professional disc golfers. And, and you got to think, this is probably one of the most open courses compared to some of the other courses that they're going to play on the tour this year. I mean, there's going to be some tight windows for... A lot of these courses with trees that are, they're going to have to really buckle down and really choose their lines carefully. Whereas with this course, there's a lot of really open area for them to really decide what, what flight shape they're going to okay, have. Okay, so on that point then, I got a question towards you. Okay, so being that Vegas, I mean, it, it, to, to me it seemed like it had some of the longest holes. <laughs> You know, in in on the tour right now. I mean, there was a couple what seven seventy sevens, eight hundred. Yeah, I think that's like, really funny and fitting for a Las Vegas hole, by the way. Right, because it's it's open. <laughs> I know. Hey, lucky, lucky, lucky draw. <laughs> but it's open. It's it's there's you know not very mountainous, not very treeish. I mean, they're there, but they're not right. And they were playing. Uh, it was on a on a, a golf course, right? Yes, is what also they, a they golf play. course. Right. right, so it's like a mixture of everything, right? So, do you think though? That the winners of this tournament still have the same skill sets to play a tight hold. Like, do you think Vegas was set up for certain golfers, or do you think? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, like just the way that it was, just the way that this course was set up. Do you think it, it favored certain guys? Like Macbeth, like he was bombing some, yeah, and threw some solid routes, right? Finished what top ten or something like that. Okay. Um, uh, Eagle was throwing great, uh, super bombs. I mean, he was throwing some things that people were like, "What? The, how the fuck did he get it that far?" Like, they I mean, were looking was, at the markers, and right? Saying, wow, he's way holy past shit, that. holy yeah. shit, right? Barella, the first two rounds, great, did great, okay. Um, throwing random things, you know. But that's what I was thinking of. Like, did it cater to right? Did it turn into a course? Because in the end, with the wind, did the course transform? Into those long bombers, not necessarily having the free will to just fucking full flight, full flight it and let it go. Did it turn into more technical? And is that I why? Think, I think is that, that why? Um, uh, what's the name again? Sorry, Anthony Barella. No, no, no. Who won the court? Uh, who won the court? Thank, Thank you. Is that why Callum won it? Because he turned his. He started hitting. I mean, he was hitting thirty footers, forty yeah. footers on consistently regular basis. Yeah. And it turned into a, can you manage the wind? Can you manage those technical, right, you know right. what I'm saying? Where the first and, couple rounds, and I thought. And it, it was about smart golf. Smart golf. It's like, on these 20-footers, do I want to run it and risk the possibility of going OB and having a 30-foot putt back? Or do I want to just lay it up, lick my wounds, move on to the next one? Bro, that was, our big, that was my biggest takeaway from the whole thing. Kevin, jo Kevin Jones played... Too safe. safe. Callum came out and was going. Calvin was. Yeah. I mean, he was going for it, dude. In the fourth round, yeah. in the fourth round, Kevin Jones kept laying up, laying up when Calvin was going and hitting birdie. Well, and that's because Calvin knew he needed. He needed. He was behind. You know, and that's that's one of those things. If you have a commanding lead and you're like six strokes ahead in a tournament. You might don't don't pump the brakes though. You, you shouldn't pump the brakes. However, if the wind conditions are like that, the weather conditions are like that, you might have a little bit of a cushion to be able to just lay up and say, "Hey, 
more I get it. strokes ahead, I might be able to, I have a little bit, bit of a, a pad, a cushion to lay up some of these holes and not, not end up I 1,000% agree with you on all of that until you get to like 14. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> like you know what I'm five. saying? Yeah. And then, and you've, and you've well, seen. the last five, round four. I mean, right. Yeah. yeah. And, but you saw Calvin hit like three straight. You know, outside second or in or just inside, you know, second zone, outside first zones, 25, 30 footers. Right. He's laying them and like, and he, and you saw it in his eyes. He was convicted he was, to go for those putts. He was ice in the right. Right, right, right. That he man, wanted that. that he man, was like, fuck this, I'm going. Calvin, like, yeah. if you're, if you ever listen to one of our podcasts, <laughs> I, I just, you do. I certainly hope you do. Um, uh, you please play. do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, subscribe, and join the podcast. <laughs> you are a savage. And you tier one, remember? We'll, we'll be your best friend. <laughs> so yeah, Calvin showing an absolute, just, just ice in his veins. Ice cold. He, like, to, and that was, I know we jumped from the females to the males, but like that was really just one of my craziest things. I just really thought, like, the way Kevin was playing, it felt to me like he just really thought he could secure the win by being consistent. And then Calvin was like, fuck your consistency. I'm going rogue. And everything rogue he did, he made. You know what I'm saying? That's so true. It didn't. It didn't make sense technically at the time, and especially if you're a pro disc golfer, you're 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 weighing everything, you know, wind, left, right, uh, backhands, next hole. Oh, this hole's gettable. This hole's been getting bogeys. This hole's been getting pars. This one's been, you know, what can I actually shoot for? It seemed like Calvin didn't care about any of this, like any of the factual shit. He was just like, I'm shooting birds. If I'm close enough, I'm shooting yeah. birds all day, every yeah. day. Yeah, <laughs> like, and that's because he knew. He and just he ran them. He just maybe had and he to. Ran them, yeah. Dude, like, and uh, much credit. So, but getting back to FPO. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No, we went off on. We get all we go on tangents, <laughs> and that's fine. This is this is the pure love of disc golf. We're getting, yeah, this is. You know, sometimes yeah. when you uh, when you're talking about something you're passionate about, you go on tangents. And that's yeah, you figure some shit out. <laughs> uh, final, the FPO, uh, Katrina Allen. You know, taking the W, second year in a row, finishing negative twenty. I cannot see what wait to see what the rest of the year holds for her. I thought it was kind of funny though that she, in my opinion, pretended like she didn't know she won it last year. Uh, she was like, "Oh, I forgot I won it last year." No, you did not. You definitely remember that you won the first round. Of the season. Come on, that could be that could be like a little point, dude. Maybe maybe she's been you know got some tricks in the bag that the, the rest of the players haven't seen. You know maybe. what I'm saying? And maybe she's trying to put down play. That's what I'm saying. She's she's trying like, oh, to Oh yeah, the win. Oops. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know I did this, and I I didn't know I was that great at doing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Maybe like, Potentially, people are gonna underestimate her more. You know, yeah. oh, she doesn't play great and win. She doesn't. She can't. Whatever it is, you know. I, I don't know the specifics for for Katrina personally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there could be a little psychological warfare, you know, going on. Like, it's. I mean, same thing. Like, ask Michael Jordan if he's the greatest player in the in the in the world, like playing basketball. Like, he's never going to say he is, but then at the very end, he's going to be like, but you know I am. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You it's know, like a little like, jab. Yeah. Right. You know? Exactly, like, yeah. It's that secret shit, you know, yeah. that cleverness behind it, you know, where it's like, you know, like, I am the greatest player, I won, I went to six uh, championships, won all six of them, but I'm not the greatest, you know, and then, like, he looks at you and winks, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying, like, I feel like it's kind of maybe something like that, you know, where she's, like, playing that, uh, 
I don't want to be the person, but like, hey, also guys or girls, I kind of am in the person. You know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of am also that person. (laughs) So I don't, Katrina Allen obviously is an amazing and excellent player. However, I did not see Paige Pierce. And you know what? That that is, I mean, she is transcendent when it comes to female disc golf. I don't even know she's on the card. I don't see it, no. Yeah, I don't even know if she was on. Um, Showing last tournament results for Paige Pierce was the 19th annual Fairhope Jubilee event in January. Um, So I am not sure where she ended up. Well, I'm looking at the top 57. If there's more than 57, Paige is not here. No, she's Unless she changed her name to Paige Sue. No, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think it, it might be interesting for them to have to reprint all of the discs with her name on it. Exactly. Right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So I'm like, yeah, I don't see, I don't see Paige Pierce at all. Maybe and so she, that's my... You think maybe she's injured I don't know if she's, or? like, injured or where she Going was. I'm going to have to do more research on that and find out where she was. Actually, to be, I didn't even think about it. That is yeah, the one thing that, that I thought yeah. of. Because, to be honest with you, when it comes to Katrina Allen, Paige Pierce would have given her a run for her money all day. Every day. I'm, I'm not the, the most uh, savvy with, you know, all the professionals, especially I'm, 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 I'm a man, if you didn't notice that, but... Uh, I pay attention to the men's a little bit more, but I do kn- the the top three: Holland, Missy, and Katrina. I know a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. Paige Pierce, I knew before all of them. Yeah, yeah. So to the fact that I didn't even realize that she wasn't even on the card or anything like, I that's I'm, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. That's something I thought Where about. Is she? That's something I thought about and and probably would have ended up putting back in this video or putting back in this podcast at in post because I was like, yeah, no, everyone's left also, on page. Yeah, right. Um, oh, so Missy Damn, Gannon, dude. Missy Gannon putting together a solid performance. If she had done more on the front nine on the last round, she could have really pushed a playoff, especially with Katrina move, uh, having two bogeys and no birds on the front. Um, dude, to be honest with you, I feel like she lost it in the first two rounds. Yeah. Because, because if you're looking at Katrina, Missy was four back on the first and then three back on the second. If you go back even with those, if you also shoot under 60, I mean, that's three, four strokes. You know what I'm saying? She only won by four strokes. Who knows what's going to happen in the final round? It would have been a little bit more of a solid performance from her. I think we would have maybe seen a push. A little bit of a fight, yeah. Um, like we did with and she beat her and she beat her by five strokes in the final round she saw the 64 yeah yeah and there's all her strokes right there you know she would have played a little bit first couple rounds man yeah first couple rounds those those one or two yeah and that's why they always call the second round and third round moving day rounds moving day yeah it's always moving day dude it's always moving that's where you're gonna see that, everybody go to be shifting. a professional and to be cut on that second day on moving day because oh, you're brutal. that would be brutal um so, Ella Hansen finishing neg, uh, neg 13. She tied with Tana Bloomrose for fourth. Uh, top five, Katrina Allen first. Missy Gannon second. Hanley third. Bloomrose and Ella Hansen tied for fourth. Haley King showing up with a respectable fifth. Uh, congrats to Katrina on the win, though. She really deserved that. She played some really smart golf. Dude, to be honest with you, man, like, mad props to Katrina, for sure. Because you're looking at this top four, or top five, uh, in and out, Negative double digits. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Neg double digits. And she doubled that. She got neg 20. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) mean, look at the, if you look down the line, the the, below the top 10, like they're nowhere near double digits when it comes to. Yeah. I mean, basically at 12, 13, you start getting even, you start getting even games. So, I mean, for her to go double that, I mean, the closest was Missy with neg 16, but I mean, even them, if you take out Katrina, Neg 16, neg 15, neg 13, neg 13. Like, that's the top five. Yeah, that's like, solid. that's a solid... Like, she, the fact that she got a neg 20 to dominate that field yeah. is pretty impressive on her. And I have to give a shout-out to... Uh, well, I know I don't know if she's California native any longer, but Jessica Weiss. I've played a few rounds with her at Grass Valley Course. She's awesome. She's one of the oh, sweetest really? people I've ever met. Um, and she put together a solid nigga seven. So, I mean, yeah, bro, respectable, respectable finish. Yeah. What, you was eight, seven? Um, and I was seven? rooting for her, you know, we're California locals, so I was really rooting for her to be in contention for the Well, and if you played with her, did you play with her in Northern California? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so is she Northern California native? Yeah, Grass Valley, okay. California. Well, fuck yeah, then, dude. NorCal all day, every day, bro. Yeah, but we represent. We like SoCal, too, but, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't hate on SoCal. I like people from SoCal, but you know, I just I don't visit. Um, I appreciate um, San Diego and the weather that Southern California can provide. The rest of the people can literally go suck ass. I, I just, I dude, Hollywood is atrocious, bro. I lived there. I lived there for one year, and I was the most depressed I've ever been. Yeah, I lived in San Francisco, you know, Central oh, California, for three almost three years, and man. Mm. The winters there, I, I thought I knew winter in Northern California. I hated myself during winter. In Northern California. And I'm not even a big fan of Northern California, but Northern California is better than everything else. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you well, that right I, now. <laughs> I'll tell you I know that. we're getting on a tangent with California. It doesn't matter. But I think it's funny that everybody's idea of California when they... Is Hollywood. Is, oh, yeah. It's Hollywood. They don't know it snows here anywhere. I, I lived in Pennsylvania for one year and got asked if I've seen Tom Cruise like 14 times. Just because, Just because I was from California. <laughs> They're yeah. like, oh, have you seen Tom Cruise? I'm like, no. You know how big the state is? Yeah. We, um, in California, we don't see celebrities all the time. It's actually kind no. of a treat. Um, it's not like I'm hopping yeah. on a Greyhound bus and I'm seeing Tom Hanks. Um, that just doesn't happen. If that was the case, I'd hop on Greyhound buses. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, hey, what's up? Yeah, I'm trying to meet Cameron Diaz. I need to get on a Greyhound bus. Cameron Diaz. No. Oh, God. All right. All right, let's go to the next So, Vince, Wild Horse and Nova, Kevin Jones. Wait, hold on. Hey, wait, wait. I'm going to pause it real quick because I got to piss. So, I'm going to Okay. <laughs> wait, is it still going?
Welcome back. We are going to continue our pod with the men's round. Sorry for that interruption, you know, bio break, duty calls. Hopefully later it's going to be sponsors and you guys are just going to have to deal with our interruptions because we're getting paid to do this shit. Yeah. <laughs> About that. Hey, so, we, need, we need sponsors. You know, yeah. Uh, if anybody, MTX, anybody, I mean, yeah. Bounty, the built-in... <laughs> Whatever. Well, hey, well, we should start talking about that too, Zen. We both use Zen. <laughs> we're we're frequent Zen users. If Zen wants to sponsor the podcast, we're here too. <laughs> yeah. Men's. Right, so let's go to the men's round. <laughs> so men's round one MPO. Let's go. Wild horse millennium uh, alternating courses for four rounds. Uh, first card from Jomez featured Nate Sexton, Paul McBeth, of course, Garrett Girthy, Double G. And Gannon Burr. Uh, again, course conditions windy AF, cold as heck. Everyone appeared to have complications reading and uh, reading the wind during putts, etc. The course having so much OV, slope greens uh, mixed with wind. That birdie to bogey factor was one roll away. I'm so sorry to talk about this, but I have to bring it up, dude. AB, just looking at his rounds. First round, 52. Mm-hmm. Second round, 49. Third round, 52. Finished. Ninth place. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean. In the wind, like you were talking about with the wind, and we were in earlier, the, the OB factor and all that stuff coming into play and everything. Like, I thought AB had this tournament locked and loaded. Yeah. The way he started off. It looked yeah. fantastic to me. Like, I. I hopped on AB's nutsack real quick. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I'm sorry. Yeah, but... 52, 49, 56, and then a 60, which in the field of the finalists in well, this right. was, he was, that was very, very, He very... was neg seven from the eventual winner yeah. in the final round. Yeah. But, I mean, you look at that. So, wow. Nate I'm Sexton. Sorry. I'm no, sorry. no, that's. I, I, I hopped on that AB nutsack real quick, and I thought I I, I had him locked and loaded to win the, the it, tournament. You know what? A lot of people did. A lot of people I were did. looking at him and yeah. and thinking that he was you know. It was a new attention. bag. It was a new bag, new discs. Yeah, and he came out firing. Yeah, so I, I don't like, know when he got signed on to Discraft from Anova, but um, I thought they said it was uh, like last year, November or something like that. So he's only had a few months. Yeah. So yeah, that's another thing for been, him, maybe yeah. still adjusting. I don't think he's had that much time. Like no. the, way, the, the from what I from what I think I remember, they were saying like November, like October, something like that. Like yeah. it'd only been like three, four months since he's had those discs, which is wild though for me to think because like I've never been sponsored or anything, but like how much do discs really change it? A lot. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you can always find a comparable mold in every brand, right? Right. Like, you, you can take a... Comparable. Comparable is comparable, right? You know what I'm saying? And then, especially when you go from something like a, a star plastic to a champion plastic, like, even right. those are drastically different in right. some cases. Well, and that's the thing. I love to throw champions all day, every day. I'll throw a champion in Nova, and I feel like I throw it the best. Switch me to anything else, same exact thing. I should do the exact same thing. I throw it like a fucking nerd. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I was like, why did this not fly the same way? You know? Yeah, and you know, and, like, and and so I mean, I get it just on a micros- microscopic level. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I'm thinking. Like, I mean, even on a not pro level. Yeah, these are professionals. Yeah. You know, like what does it really change? But it, you clearly saw that it had some sort of effect. Yeah, and, and you. There's it, been a few guys that have new bags. Oh yeah. 
you know, there's a lot of changes this year. Right. Um, and there, I'm sure there's more changes to come, to be honest That's with what I'm you. Saying. I mean, we got lawsuits. We, we got, got changes. Oh, yeah, we you know, got I mean, we'll some stuff. Yeah, yeah. We got some juicy and juicy <laughs> entertainment for our next yeah. episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let me tell you, I didn't realize that disc golf was going to have this much drama this early in the season. Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> that was not unexpected and kind of welcomed yeah yeah i mean the more I they put the spotlight it. the more they put the spotlight on a sport that does not get the credit it deserves i mean that is okay with me their sport yeah. has grown monumentally over the last five years the more it continues to be in the news and grow i am all every okay single that. time we get onto the uh top 10 like sports center top 10s i'm like overjoyed right somebody it, aces it's... and you're like yes and, it and made they, sports they, center they put it at seven yeah they put it at seven i'm like do you realize how many aces people get? Like in disc golf? Like, not many. <laughs> well, regular people, like regular, you and I. Well, regular but I mean, people, I'm sure Paul and the okay, like that have yeah, lost okay. count of their aces. So if you so want to look at McBeth and everything, I mean, he's up in the probably 500s and shit. Yeah. You know but you want to look at like the Simon Lazos and all the cool. Guess what? Just step up to a tee, bomb something 380, 400 yards or feet, whatever, and you drop it in just straight in. Yeah. Give it the respect. Like, a golf shot would be like top three. Oh yeah, you know what I'm totally. saying. And we, it, by no means, by no respect. means, am That's I all. saying that regular golf is is easy or oh, God, no. or that Talk it is comparable yeah. to disc golf. But the people who similar doubt, things. yeah, similar. And things. The, you know what I find that is most hilarious is that most of the people who bag on disc golf are people who play regular golf, right? And they would love the game if they ever took the time to try it. And the problem is with golfers, quote unquote, golfers and disc golfers is disc golfers are way cooler than regular ass golfers. Yeah. Think about it. Just think about Stuffy it. Stuffy clubhouse people. Exactly. What sport can you go to where you walk around trees and you can just hang out, talk around the base? Golf, disc golf, right? Yep. Guess which one's free? <laughs> Most of the time, I've paid, I've had a couple pay to play courses, $5. but yeah, they're five dollars. They're few and far between. Have you ever paid? Literally, if you paid more than ten dollars to play like a round, you're joining a tournament or something. Like you're mm-hmm. you're paying to get you into the ass. Yeah, right. You know, there are some courses, and I'll have to take you to, to okay. a couple of those right. sometime. Yeah, they're on a disc golf. There are disc golf courses on a golf course. So oh, you get golf okay. carts right. and you can drink beer. So, I mean... Plus and plus. Plus right? and plus. <laughs> plus and plus. I'm lazy as shit, so that works. But no, but that's what I'm saying, though. Like, it, it, that's the only difference, really, is just pay to play. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, to be honest with you, like, me, you and I can go play around right now, throw some discs, go to a park, walk free. on nothing. For Not free. even an issue. Yeah, you know what I'm for saying? free. Or we could try to call a golf course, you know, any type of place, and even, like, the public ones and stuff, who knows that if we can play right now? Yeah. You know? So yeah. I'm just saying. You know, yeah. Let's just we'll, know, we'll call look, a spade a spade. Call a spade a spade. <laughs> Not to mention that regular golf, if you're trying to get all the stuff, is way more expensive than discs. So <laughs> uh, $300 for a club when I could pay $20 for a disc. You know how many? I could have bought like 10 discs. I could have. I could have replenished my entire bag. I could have bought doubles of everything I already exactly. have. With one, with one club. And I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are there are those uh, whack fuck moments in disc golf that are very much like golf. And I highly recommend if you play regular golf that you just be open minded and try to try to play some disc golf just, at some just point. Just think about it. Just, you know, I mean, hey. Men's round one. Nate Sexton, 14th 
worldwide, 20 full years and three days senior to Gannon Burke. Can you believe that? Oh. On the same card, but he is 20 years and three days older than Gannon. And that's the other thing, too, that they were talking about with, like, these youngsters and these newbies and these rookies. And then I was like, yo, bro, this dude's 20 years older than everybody else out here. Like, I'm like, how's he a newbie or a rookie? But he's both. <laughs> like, technically, right? Like, these young guys. This, first year, this is his first year on the tour. Who? Sexton? No. No, no, no. My bad. Sexton's been around for a no, not Sexton. Who was he playing before? Who was he on the card with? Gannon Burr, right? Gannon Burr is. But he's only been here. He's only been around a couple of years, exactly. as far as but as far as like really emerging, emerging into the, into the pro scene. Yeah, you can start as But he is a phenom. Right. I mean, he is right. one he's hell of a player. And he got sexy, that's what I'm saying. Like twenty years later. Oh, I'm 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 sorry, but I'm sorry, but Nate is looking at Gannon. And he's wishing he played that good twenty years ago. Absolutely. And I love Nate. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Nate, I love you, buddy. Okay, but, but I mean, the there's gonna be a point in time where you're gonna have to move to a different, different think level. Think about that. Think about, that. Think think about what you're saying right now, right? Okay. We would all love to be playing how we were 20 years ago, right? Playing anything, but but if we still had that same skill, right? You know what I'm saying? Nate, Nate is like, holy shit! He's got to be realizing that these these kids are playing since they're four years old. Yeah, they're out there throwing like. The, the fact that, that he can bomb it and do the things that he does, it's because he's been doing it. Since Nate didn't have the opportunity. He's been do, been around for so long because he's been playing it for so long. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. You weren't gifted that state. It's, it's the LeBron James, the Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the access that they have now and how many courses they have now. Like you and I, we need to go play. Actually, uh, we were talking about that. California, they have the very first disc golf course right. ever made, yeah. right? In Southern California. Like, I've I watched the whole video on that, dude. The, the baskets, baskets, bro. They're not baskets. <laughs> they're not, they're squares. Like, oh, yeah. Like, We've come a long way, for sure. And if you hit the change, you're like, so, like, so, like, you just gotta think, think about this guy. Nate, he's been here so long for doing it for so many years. To see this kid, you kind of gotta just be like, that sucks, but also be like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I get it. Like, and they've got the better disc. They've got everything has come involved. Oh, I mean the the amount of he was on the first card, right? Yeah, he's on the yeah, he's on the first card. I mean he's he's always a contender. I mean Nate is, and he's one heck of a nice guy. I love watching him and Joe Mez. I think he really rounds out everybody. Uh, I know, yeah, it was fun watching him in the third and fourth rounds because he was commentating. Commentating, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. How weird is it to be a commentator on disc golf, but to be talking about the round that you are in? That you just, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, you're on the lead card in the first round, and you have to talk about yourself. You already feel bad, but bad enough about the shots you missed, and then you're having to talk about it. Wasn't it's he like on PTSD. Was he on the first round with Anthony? With uh, he was on the first round with Paul McBeth, Gary Griffey, and Gannon Burr. So, okay. first round uh, MPO coverage was those four guys. Okay, so maybe it was Macbeth is who I was thinking of. Macbeth had a pretty solid first round, I believe. So, Nate finished uh, Nick Four, still looking like a strong player. I would love to see a comeback from him um, at some point, but these young guns are just at another level. Paul Macbeth, second world rated, showed some excellent angle and power control as he usually does, almost draining hole nine for birdie from 180, and I'll say almost. Um, it was really close. Acing. Or almost acing by eh, hole 15 by maybe like a foot or so. He ended up finishing next six. 
Garrett Griffey, 23rd, world rated. I love Double G. Um, he's one of the coolest people. Um, as usual, showing that big arm, which worked to his disadvantages at the time because it would put him past the basket pretty frequently, and he was he had gotten a lot of forced layups. Yeah, 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 that, that that was brutal because he was throwing so, so good, but the wind was just pushing was him on. So and, and, and you would see, I think probably more often than not. Um, he was the one that I kept seeing with those big dips, like you know, like you would see just that disc play movement. Yeah, he would he would bomb it, air bounces, drop down, blow up, and then it would like jump ten feet, and then it would next thing you know, ten feet past. And then of course with those wind conditions, especially skipping on those greens, you're anticipating you're anticipating a five foot skip, but with the wind getting underneath of that disc at 18 miles an hour, yeah. that five-foot skip turns into a 20-foot skip real quick. He shoots into that full airplane. Yeah. You know, fighter jet. Kamikaze pilot. And then you just hope for the best. best. And you're just like, I fucking... Even, you know, Jonas, all them, when they were talking, like, stick, stick, stick. And then you You know, like, every time they would think it would skip, uh, it would stick to the ground, it would skip. Yeah. And they thought it would skip, it would stick. And it, it was so unpredictable. And the wind keeping discs up while they're rolling. While they're rolling. It's like, everyone's like, sit down. Who was it? Who was it um, uh, I want to say it might have been Eagle. Um, maybe in like the third round. I might be wrong with if it was Eagle or not. But um, yeah, somebody, and they hit band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was um, literally just caught the edge. And then they were like, okay, sit. Okay, sit. Uh, okay, sit. Um, sit. Why aren't you sitting yet? Just gaining momentum. That fucking sucks. Yeah. 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 Really Scrambling back is so right. important during these weather conditions. But hitting band and then just watching your. I mean, you hit band, which is only what? Three inches or whatever, four inches thick. You know what I'm so you miss by like three, four inches, and then you just roll 40 feet away from the pin. Like, come on, man. Like. Well, <laughs> Gannon Burr, I feel like the biggest thing that I was wondering, which we'll talk about in another episode entirely, was what he was going to be throwing for this tournament. Right. Because being in the lawsuit that he's in, I didn't know if he had dropped and already moved over to another sponsor, or if he had basically pleaded his case with them and with Prodigy and decided, you know what, it's not worth the squeeze. Yeah. Um, so when he stepped up, I was thinking to myself, well, are you throwing Prodigy or... Um, you're gonna be throwing something different, and you know, I kind of, I kind of wondered about that. But of course, he's still sitting there with his prodigy disc for the time being. I feel like that's contractual. Oh, he's right, but contractual. Like, he has to do it. But his his case, which we'll talk about in a whole other episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, because we'll go way. We'll go deeper. But I mean, his whole case is that his mother signed for him because he was 17 when he signed the contract. However, yeah, however, yeah. all right, all right. Because they, he was signed for by his mother. His, whether or not he is contractually obligated doesn't matter because his mother is contractually Co- obligated by proxy. Yep, by proxy. So he, yeah. that's why he's throwing the disc right now. That's, and, that makes sense. Okay. And I mean, there are also there are a lot of things going on. I with mean, that. Yeah, and, and obviously, like we're gonna we're gonna talk way into that, and we'll probably talk way more into it when we actually get like. You know what the final say is, right? Yeah, like, there's, right. No there's gonna be a lot more to talk about. Yeah, there's no point in speculation and all just like bullshit because we're just over here, it's like a bunch of noobs. And just, yeah, you know, I'm not sitting here talking to Gannon, yeah. or else I get the real scoops. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, if Gannon came on this podcast and was like, Yo, this is what's going on, then I would feel more comfortable about it. Yeah, Other than that, like, 
wait till the answers come out, wait till everything gets solved, and then that's the only way you can really... I don't know where he's going to move, but we'll see what happens well, whether what if think? he moves. What yeah. do you think? Okay, so if he moves, though, where do you think he's... Uh, like, with his style, of, like his style of play, where do you think, his, like, where do you think he would go? That's, that is a really... And who, and who is the top dog right now signing people? Mm. Well, I would say, I would say this year because of how much money they invested, MVP is looking real. I feel like this, if this is Simon's year, MVP is going to see an absolute jump. So you think if Simon top two, top three, if he puts together, puts it over. Like oh, I mean, anything Simon touches is gold because oh, he's obviously. Simon. I mean, he's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I love Simon. And he's one of the most down to earth people as far as media goes. I don't know how he is in real life. I can't speak on his person in real time, but um, with his whole, you, you can't put that much content out and be an asshole. I would have to agree. Asshole. His whole, his whole beyond, his whole beyond disc golf series <laughs> that is oh is so amazing. I love it. The beyond disc golf. When they did an episode at Bijou and they did the whole, uh, you know, Tahoe episode, I was so ecstatic. I just watched that one where he did the. Uh, uh, this whole family built. They just bought property and built like a, their own disc. But like the elevations. Oh yeah. Are like five hundred feet. Yeah. Nuts, yeah. dude. Nuts. And then he was like, "This is the most insane disc golf course I've ever played." But like, he just bring like, and all it was was just a dad bought land. The kid goes, "I want to build a disc golf course." And then next thing you know. The dad asked the guy who built the disc golf course close to them, and he's like, who built your disc golf course? And he's like, oh, he's standing right there. Yeah, he was, uh, I think he was like a camp director for YMCA or something. Yeah. He's like, he's standing right there. And then he's like, oh, shit. And he just walked over to him and was like, can you build a disc golf course on this land? And actually, you know, they built one of the craziest, gnarliest disc golf courses. His minis are just exquisite. They're so cool. I mean, they have a story, you know? They have some They have some feel. And they turned it into a mini. I mean, how cool is that? And that, but that should just attest to you by, like, who Simon is. Like, yeah. You can't, I mean, if... Trust me, dude. If you're on, if you make that much content and you're on television, like, or you're being seen by that many people that many times, and you've never been an asshole, you're probably not an asshole. Yeah, there's a reason we haven't seen a Simon Lazat freakout video, um, and it's because Nico Castro is taking that 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 card all day. Yeah. No offense, Nico, but yeah, brother, you, you need to you need to just breathe. Man, <laughs> hey, sometimes the hey, breath is all it takes. Ganon Burr. So let's talk about Ganon Burr. Fourth world ranked. He spit out on three, seven, and nine, and that got into his head early on. One of two birds on hole 14 for the whole field. Um, that spit out on 18, rolling OB to swing a stroke. He, um, man, just sitting at negative six at the first round. So tied up with Paul. At that point, but they still were not making headway when it came to uh, other people on the card. I, I, and I felt like that, that kind of hurt Gannon just because he was on the same card with Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul was shooting really good. Yeah, but I mean, you can see Paul didn't put much yeah. together. And Gannon 54, though. Paul 57, right? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Paul 54. They shot the same. Then all of a sudden, it just you start seeing 58, 56. They're pushing 60. Yeah. And Paul pushing lower 50. You know, and it's like I feel like me playing with you. 
you start hitting a couple of birds. No, I mean, honestly, I mean, it's, it, 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 I'm talking about like on the lower level of everything, dude. It's just simple competition rules. You know what I'm saying? You're playing with somebody, you're not competing with each other, you're technically competing with each other. You know it's, what a, I'm it's a male thing. Exactly. We do. We naturally compete. You know, we naturally compete. We're talking about the men, you know, like we're talking about them getting after it, you know, and like you miss a putt that you probably should have hit. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you cage one out or, or, or tap one off the top or just hit the chain and you're just like splash out one inch, dude. Yeah, one inch. One inch. And, then and then you drop like a 30 footer behind that. Oh, that's called getting big putted. And it's, that's what I'm, I'm going to tell you in tournaments, there is nothing that feels worse than somebody big putting you. You have a 20 footer and you shank it, and then somebody comes with like this 50 foot. Heiser, perfect into the basket, and you're like, you know what, dude? That hurt. You hurt my feelers. <laughs> whipping your dick out, and then a dude comes over and pulls out a 10-incher. Yeah. He's like, God damn it. Like, jeez. Put that thing away, guy. solid 10? Anybody. Anytime. The littlest, the, the funniest thing is like you pull out a hammer and then you see somebody else with a mallet. You know what I'm saying? You're like, you dick. Yep. Somebody's always got a bigger lifted truck. Yeah, absolutely, you know? dude. The bigger trucks, the bigger wheels. The Somebody's bigger always got a bigger stick. Absolutely. I'm sorry, dude, man. It sucks. I mean, sorry to cut out all of our female listeners. Right now. Yeah, I hope we didn't scare you off. Um, maybe I'll get some female input on this channel at some point. They also should understand, though, because they're like, are these boys. Oh, especially the FP. Actual females on the on on the field, they understand this this male nonsense. MPO round two, James Proctor neg nine, starting a double on five, triple on hole eight, a bogey on thirteen. It sent him on a bogey birdie spiral, just to end up right back where he started, pretty much going back to neg eight after round two. So he started neg nine on round two, and he came back full circle. To be a stroke down, which was rough. Scott Withers, negative eight, looking solid on the front nine with six birdies, begging pole five through eight with ease. Unfortunately, he goes on to birdie four of the back nine for the triple bogey on hole 13. Infamous hole 13. It screwed everyone on the front course. Was that what started uh, Eagles? Not, was it Eagles? Yeah, Eagles down climb on the final card in round four. Was that, was it whole 13? I believe, he, I believe he it was round three, actually. Oh, oh was yeah, it? Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah, he went like six or seven straight bogeys, like in a row. Like, yeah. it was bad, yeah. I, was I always feel for anybody on the tour when they start getting those birdie, birdie, birdie to bogey uh, turnovers. It's oh, it's rough yeah. to watch. You yeah. fight You fight to get the birdies that you want that you can set yourself up for. And some of them are not easy to grab. I mean, especially if you're grabbing, uh, you know, a 20% of the field birdie for the whole, the whole entire tournament. Right. Um, if you're bagging those, but then you're missing one that 50% of the card are, <laughs> are, yeah, <laughs> are birdieing. Right. It's really, it's really hard. And see, and I wasn't sure if, you, if it was 13 or three, but yeah, I just remember that, that, that was rough. Dude. Yeah. It was one of those holes that just, it got him a bogue. And the next thing you know, he was like six or seven. 13 was a monster for this tournament. It hurt everyone. Was that the one with the, the, the double bunkers? The double bunkers. And then did it have the water to the left? I believe it had an OB to the left short. Okay, so so if OB to the left and then the bunker forward. So the, the bunker, bunker back. Bunker forward. The hill on the on the end of where the basket sit atop yep. the mound, going down to like a twenty foot OB line. 
Gotcha. So if you shot over the basket and you just right, caught right. just enough wind and caught an edge, you'd roll OB. That was the whole that was the hole we were talking about earlier where it was kind of better to take the OB on that. Yeah. Short, Everybody was pretty much aiming for the bunker for that bunker right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Because I mean take your licks and just Take it, take it yeah, move take, on. Take the one. Yeah. Take the one because I'm still getting, I mean, it's not a bird, but I'm still getting a par, not a bird. Yeah, that's, I mean, there's a lot of not guaranteed birdies on these courses out there. Right, right, right. right. Scott Withers, uh, he looks solid. I mean, he still rounded out a solid negative 15 after two rounds, which is nothing to scoff at. Anthony Barella putting on um, a pretty good show the first round. Sitting at, <laughs> sitting at neg eight. Unfortunately, man, round two, putting woes. Putting woes. 25 feet missing three on the front nine that he really should have capitalized on. The back nine, he caught fire and goes uh, on a hot streak to neg 20. I had him as my winner. After finishing a solid bogey-free round with an impressive birdie on hole 13, which was killing everyone. Neg 20 after three rounds. I thought he was dominating. Yeah, and man, that was just... I thought he was... was at that point, I'm thinking he's going to pull a Katrina Allen. He was just on the head and staying ahead. I thought, there, I thought there was no way anybody was going to catch him. What? Honestly. With the wind conditions and the weather changing every day? Who first, two first two rounds. First two rounds, I thought A.B. had it. Yep. And, the way, and the way that Jomez was talking about him, the way that Nate was talking about him on Jomez's stuff, like the way that they were speaking about A.B., Anthony Barella, I was like, it's done. It's a wrap. You know, stick a fork in it. We're done. We're out of here. And then... Just, Just not, not that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Simon Lazat, negative seven starting the second round. Putting looks slightly off on the front nine, questionably close to being spit out on a couple of those. Uh, solid six out of nine birds with one bogey on the front. The back nine would yield four birdies, but unfortunately, he would bogey hole 11 and join everyone besides Anthony on hole 13 with an unfortunate double OB double bogey. Fuck, man. And do you think that was just kind of the end of Simon's weekend? I mean, that took the wind out of his sails, but he still finished neck 13 after two rounds. So, I mean, he was still sitting at uh, a pretty contention. decent score. Where was everybody contention. else at? Where was everybody else at round two? Uh, like, yeah, okay. So, after round two, Anthony Barilla led the field neck 20. Kevin Jones just behind at negative 17 and riding the momentum of his last win at Goat Hill Eagle McMahon coming screaming up the leaderboard. Yeah, from 21st fine. place, he came from 21st place the first round, screamed up the leaderboard to place a third lead card spot, um, along with Scott Withers at negative 15. Still anyone's game going into third with Heimberg, Lazat, Adderhold, and Freeman, Ellis, and Macbeth. Uh, they were in a six-way tie after two rounds at negative 13. So. Okay, well, so I'm just kind of looking at this right now, and if my math is correct, Simon was literally... One shot off after round two, he was one shot off from the the eventual winner, Calvin. Mm. So Simon was playing a solid round. Yeah, but like you just said, Eagle came screaming back, and I really did think Eagle and both Kevin and Anthony did his fair share of like battling in that round two to stay up there. You know what I'm saying? But I thought Kevin, I thought Kevin. And, and Eagle, Eagle like, like, were freaking slingshots, bro. They came out just firing. Yep. All and, cylinders. Yeah, all cylinders, dude. And they, and so, like, I did then all of a sudden think that, like, oh, shit, like, it's it's going to be a, it's gonna be a tournament. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so glad, man, that the show was put on from these gentlemen for that Absolutely. final round. A thousand percent. Men's MPO round three, moving day. 
Oh, uh, let me tell you something. Anthony Barilla, no move on the front nine at Nick 20. So one birdie, one book, and that, that made all of the difference in the world. I think that got in his head for, for round four. And then a five birdie back nine sticks him at a solid negative 24. Eight holes without a single birdie and two bogeys made a huge difference. And he didn't hit anything outside, or what was it, outside of the... I think circle two, per, yes, circle, he yeah. still had some problems. Yeah, he was 0, 0 for 20 or whatever. <sighs> God, it, it was yeah. rough to watch. Kevin Jones, uh, he was looking crisp on the on the third round of the MPO. Negative uh, 17, looking confident, stepping up and snagging every birdie opportunity on the front nine with excellent putting and placement shots. Back nine, no exception. Amazing drives, perfect placement shots. Uh, a really impressive eagle on 11 and 3. Um, oh, shit, that, uh, that eagle on 11 was impressive. Yeah, birdies, uh, one bogey. Oh, sorry, 11, and then three birdies after hole 11. Right, cool. So right, he um, right. he ended up negative 26 for the for the lead after round three. Smash. Eagle McMahon, negative 15, riding the wind in his sails. Victory um, at Goat Hill. Goat Hill, my apologies. Uh, that was the last round before this one, right? The last tournament before this one? Yeah, it was just, uh, uh, I don't know what tier that tournament was. Oh, it was a pre Yeah, I think it was maybe end of last season preseason okay. okay played a very smart consistent front nine and even better back nine bogey free round sitting at respectable negative 23 after round three and he will make the lead card scott withers negative 15 playing solid until hole nine where ob and Wendy putt set him back a hefty three strokes for triple bogey uh he at this point we were looking at him saying he's gonna really have to dig deep after that to regain those strokes um and he can't deliver staying right where he started Back at Nick 15. Was that Withers shot on that putt that got away from him? Was that when he was trying to throw up? He was trying to kind of throw uphill and the wind just caught it. He tilted his putt a little high. Yeah, he didn't throw it. He didn't throw it nose down enough, and the wind just and then just launched. The wind was unmerciful. Okay, yeah, that's right. And then and then you got to see on his face. It seemed like he was just like this is. Well, yeah, when you're in contention going into the fourth, right. third round and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to sit pretty on the lead card for fourth round and maybe have a chance to mix it up and make this thing happen. Yeah, those those kind of opportunities where you miss some putts and go and double OB or whatever. That's what that, mental, that mental comes into play. Yep. And I'm telling you, I think same the same thing, thing with like AB, just not, not knowing his bag, throws a couple bad, bad, bad ones, and then Eagle, the same thing, uh, got that one bogey, and then it turned into six bogeys. You know what I'm saying? Like in round four, you know, like, and I, I felt like Withers just did it earlier. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, did, he, did he just fell apart faster. Right, yeah, he did it in the third so round. So after your third, after your third round, Scott Withers dropping down the leaderboard drastically. Calvin Heimberg making the lead card. So, and this is the funniest thing. Calvin. Calvin. Um, Big Germ and Nate, they called the heck out of this. They said, hey, keep your eyes on Calvin Heimberg. Nate, I think Nate was the first one to jump on the bandwagon. He jumped on the Heimberg train and he's like, oh, don't count Heimberg out. And, and I, I, I feel like Nate kept saying, um, like, slight, like somebody would, like, they, like, you know, whoever would be talking or whatever, and then he'd be like, watch out for Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> like, he would do those little sneaky ones, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I think Nate jumped on that very quickly. Oh, he was the first to jump on. And I think that at that point, everybody else, like Paul and Big Germ in the in the booth, they were looking at him like, hmm, I don't see what the hype is. Calvin's not sitting at a great position right now. But, I mean, it didn't matter. He played super consistent golf. I think they were, just, they were just looking at how, how Kevin Kevin Jones ended that round three very good. Um, uh, what's he called? Um, uh, why can't I think of his name? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Eagle. Eagle. 
Eagle finished that round three very good. Like they both seemed like the hot commodity going into it. Even AB, yeah, even AB. I mean, he still he still shot an egg twenty four after the round. But they were just like, okay, he had like a not so great round three. Mm -hmm. But they were like, did you see what he did first two rounds? Yeah, you know. And they're going into round four thinking, well. If he plays like that, he'll step back up to the plate. Step back up right to the plate. So I feel like Calvin kind of had it best because he kind of didn't have that extra added quote unquote pressure. Yeah. You know, people were talking about him, but they weren't talking about him. Right. And that's where I think Nate was like on that cue. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was like, bro, watch out for homeboy Calvin Heimer. One of the funniest things that Germ said in the entire Jomez pro like a production of this entire tournament. He said, you know, on the lead card, you really hate to see any of your fellow players take these <laughs> double bogues. And Nate just goes, no, I don't. I don't hate it. At playing at this level of competition, I don't, I would not hate watching somebody triple bogue. I'd be smiling the whole time. I believe that was right after Eagle McMahon had a real bad hole. And then he goes, at the very end of it, he goes, well, no, well, I mean, no, I mean like, I want the guys to do good. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. If you're playing professional disc golf. And I mean, if you're looking at the pot of money for the placement finishes, yeah, the difference between uh, first and second being, you know, $3,500. I'm sorry. You can't tell me that you're not hoping somebody shanks a putt into some OB. <laughs> so basically, if I don't finish top 20, I don't even get my airplane. That's yeah. That's, well, I I don't know. I don't know about much about the the pro tour as far as what they cover. Hopefully, they are doing you guys well out there when you guys are on tour and they're actually helping you out as far as expenses go. I know that a lot of disc proceeds go to the players and that's really awesome. But look this up though, and the twentieth person got nine hundred and fifty-three dollars. And out of four days in Las Vegas, uh, those blackjack tables. I'm, doubt, kind of I'm doubting I'm doubting you, uh, and you might have left. You might have left ahead, depending on if you you played smart at the casino. I had to spend a thousand dollars my first day. I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying, hey, and trust me, it, as a sport, and as this sport grows, and like what we were talking about earlier, the more that this sport gets, whether it's the right reasons or the wrong reasons, like we were talking about with the whole trans thing and stuff like that happening, and lawsuits and stuff like that and there's it's getting a lot more eyes it's getting bigger you know what was it notorious PIG and P Diddy you know more money more problems yeah but when it comes to sport the more eyes the more problems you get but also the more money you get true you know what I'm saying like now you're getting I mean how how unheard of is it I mean I don't mean to throw Simon under the bus but how unheard of is it especially when we were looking back at disc golf 10 years ago, for someone to sign a $10 million contract right. with a disc golf company. Right. Like 10 years ago, Insane. that would have been unheard of. Insane. And I understand $10 million to buy Simon. If I had $10 million, I'd buy Simon too. Thousand bucks. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. Oh. I'll tell Simon you said a thousand dollars to buy him. Yeah, yeah, I would have bought his ass for a thousand bucks. You hear that, Simon? You're worth a thousand dollars to Jeff. Yeah, a no-name podcaster. So MPO final round, Wild Horse Anova. We are going back to the Anova course. Kevin Jones, negative twenty-six, going in the final round. The man looks solid, but maybe played too safe. 
Uh, Calvin was nipping at his heels, and of course, it would come down to the last hole. Kevin would make a silly mistake and go OB twice for a double bogey, finishing negative 29. Rough, rough situation for Calvin. For, uh, for Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. Oh, man. And to be honest with you, I don't think Kevin would have thrown as bad if it wasn't for Calvin putting that much pressure. I mean, at least going into the last hole. That's he fucking felt that pressure. Bo, I think probably from 14 or 15. Yeah, because I think he could see the momentum Calvin was getting. and Well, Kevin laid up twice on back-to-back holes that Calvin birdied from second from from second, from, from, second, from uh, yeah. outside circles edge. from outside second you know what I'm saying two. so circle, circle two right yeah so uh, inner, inner circle two. yeah but like, but like I mean in in Kevin was laying up and he laid up twice and just picked up the par and Calvin hit two birds two birds outside circle two like put like really was actually pressing yeah push I mean talk about getting big putted that's uh, yeah, slapped his dick on the table. Calvin Heimberg, negative 23 to start the round. So he was actually three strokes behind Kevin going into the final. Putting and it was absolutely crisp. Sexy putts. A couple amazing circle one drives. I mean, practically drop-ins. Amazing placement shots. Ice in his veins. Everyone said to watch out for him. And the people who slept on him, they must feel real silly. Watching this level of disc golf from him is exactly why. Exactly why. He deserves a victory. Negative 31 to take the W. Congrats to Calvin on an amazing, well-earned victory, man. You crushed. Um, Anthony Barella, negative 24 to start the final round. I feel like we have to talk about the cameraman failing to avoid his drive and sending him into the OB bunker. Um, however, he was headhunting the gallery the entire the entire round. Yeah, he was. I mean, every every single drive, he's just going OB and headhunting the gallery. And I don't know if that was just him just being like, I don't care anymore. Or him falling apart at the seams, but man, he was headhunting the gallery every drive, sawing him off into the crowd over and over. Rough, man. More than one occasion. Nerves, wind, fatigue. Who knows? So, right after he clipped Homeboy, the the videographer or the whoever getting the distance or what the distance finder guy, whoever it was that he clipped on that bunker right there. What was it? Two, three holes after that, he almost clipped like four other people. I mean, he was yeah, throwing yeah. OB he threw, he threw it, he towards threw the crowd it. and headhunting every, every hole. Time. Yeah, yeah. After and that. so, like, I don't know, I don't that's know if that's just nerves, but, like, also, we said new disc, new disc, new, 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 new bag, all that stuff. You know, I mean, but, nobody but, should sleep on Anthony Barella, by any means. I think Anthony Barella is going to win, like, two, three times. Oh, at least. I feel like he's If he plays well, the weather is good to him, and he really he really focuses and dials himself in, I... He's gonna at least be in final contention. And to be honest with you, that, that what you just said right there too, weather, that could be a thing. He might be like one of those fair weather supers. I mean, pages, pages from Pensacola, Florida, for God's sake. That's sakes. what I'm saying. Right. I mean, if she would have played this this round, if she in her off season, she was spending a lot of time practicing in Florida. Who knows how she? Would've... It could have been fucking real. Bad. Yeah, I mean, you're going from being in the humidity and playing in upper 70s probably pretty regularly to playing in. 30 degree weather with snow on the ground. So. I don't, yeah, and I don't know uh, AB's like, background is good enough to like, you know, fully like speak on But what if he is just one of those guys that like you give him just that pitch perfect that he's going to drop everything. Like the way he was going in those first two rounds, I fully 100% 
you not being even the most expert of this person. I was like, A, B's winning this. And then I started hearing other people go, I think A, B's got it too. Yeah. Guys that know more than me. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. After round two and looking at where he was positioned, I was thinking to myself, it's going to take somebody playing some really scrambling golf to catch up. And I was thinking, and that's exactly what I was thinking. I thought it was going to take. I believe it did, but I also don't believe it really concerned itself. But Calvin did play the fucking life. Oh, God. That last round was just, it was, honestly, it was, in my personal opinion, one of the best outcomes for Calvin that I could possibly imagine With without, I mean, drawing it up. I couldn't have drawn it up perfect, more perfect than the way it, it ended up. And isn't that his hometown? Uh, I don't know where Calvin's from. Where are you from, Calvin? Where are you from, friend? No, Florida. Uh, he's also from Florida. He's also from Florida. A Floridian. Okay, I felt like maybe he won it last year or something like that. I thought there was a tie because there was a lot of uh, supporters uh, back in Calvin in round four. I don't know. Every time, every time that they would, um, every time that they would announce that Calvin's like stepping up to the tee box, you could hear like a solid roar. I think that's just the Calvin hype in general. Is that just? The I believe so. I mean, everyone just everyone likes Calvin. Well, fucking a, man. Good more power to you. You watch, you watch the Joe Mez Pro. Uh, putting games, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Calvin's in like every single one of them. I know he does all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, people. I mean, well, he he was just in that when I watched them. Uh, they did the. Um, I like it when he talks shit. It's my favorite. What was it the uh, the pre round before Vegas? They were there like two days before Joe Mez and then. Yeah. And uh, uh, they took out and it was like, Calvin. They were all mic'd up and everything. And they were like uh, just. Throwing all backwards or whatever, or whatever. Yeah. all for like no putter yeah. challenge or some shit. You know, they were doing some sort of challenge, but like the whole time, Calvin like it, it seemed like Calvin got a lot of mic time. Yeah, oh yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like cutting them into the videos. Yeah. Like so, I mean, I didn't realize that Calvin had that much hype behind him because like every time he stepped in the box, it did feel like a, like a Tiger Woods type. I mean, like, there's where they were like, oh shit. There's a reason Calvin's in the in the putting games because I mean he is definitely a solid putter. He can putt and, and like a muff. That's what I'm saying. He kept, he kept hitting those outside, you know, outside circles edge. Yeah. What was that? Like 32 to 30, like eight feet. I think he hit. He hit like a 30. Yeah, like a 32 footer. Well, yeah, it was like. I, I mean, without wind conditions, I mean that's a big deal. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and, and 30 feet cool. I mean, me hitting a 30 footer like is fantastic for me. Right. <laughs> Profe- a professional hitting a 30 footer, you're like yeah, 50 percent. Yeah, you give or take that. I expect much. it. In those, right. In those conditions, though, that drops down to like five percent. I wouldn't say five percent. That's pretty low. Yeah. But I would say that okay, you're 15 percent. Yeah. Twenty percent. One out of yeah, five. if you're outside circle's edge and 32 foot, yeah, outside, like a, with 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 whipping whipping winds at 18 miles an hour, yeah, that can hit you at any time, yeah, that's what whipping winds, yep. are, you know what I'm saying? When you could throw it feeling like you're good, and then all of a sudden the wind's like, nah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you want to throw that on a hyzer? Well, guess what? Slaps <laughs> your disc right to the ground, you know, or kicks it up like, uh, what was it? Uh, um, like we were just talking about on 15 when it, when it got kicked up, that wind kicked it up and shot it way above the. There's no way a professional disc golfer would shoot four feet above the basket. Without the, without the wind having effect, you know I would man? say like, unless they like were running a par three, and they know that they could scramble back easily with uh, a, you know, like anything yeah. pretty much within the three hundred foot range. Right, because that that, that throw for them, a three hundred foot throw for them is like some of these guys have like seven hundred foot arms that are just ridiculous. <laughs> I saw a video today. It was like you can't throw four hundred feet yet. Watch this video, and I'm like. 
No, I mean, a couple of times I have been able to jack him on some few times, but you know, still, dude, I'm telling you, like, it, it, people also think that too with golfers. Right? Mm-hmm. You and I could go to the driving range, and I'll, I'll tell you, oh, I can hit bombs 250 yards, right? But then every drive you see is like 205, 190. Yeah, inconsistent. In your mind, in your mind, you think you hit 250. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's like you, it's like you took a general average of what you're. You think you're like, oh, dude, I shot that one 280, and I shot that one 190, so I'm. I, I guess I'm. I hit that one time. I hit 280 one time. Like 250 average. 250 all day. The same like this golf, dude. I mean, I'm telling you, like a lot of the times, dude, like. A 350, 370, that's good throw. Yeah. And especially when you're playing par 4, 777 yards. Yeah. yeah. With a lot of OB, with, you know, hazards. Concise. It's not technically the strength. Yeah. Not at all. It's where the distance Yeah. Not at all. I mean, anybody can open their arm up and just rip on one and just hope that it goes far. But there's a difference between going far and setting yourself up for a birdie opportunity. <laughs> Why do those long-distance uh, golf driver people not play on the PGA Tour? Because, they because their short game is garbage. All they can do is hit a ball. Yeah, your short game is garbage, then yeah. what does it mean? So, so, that's what you're saying, kind of similar thing that I think with Anthony Barella. I think Anthony Barella is a very long-game player. And then that wind... And everything, and everything shortened his game, his game up. up. And then he didn't, didn't have, have that, precise that precise touch. Layup shot. You know, and, and he was hitting those awkward out-of-bounds. Out you know, those, those awkward OB. You know. And then, because he's, he's going super far, he's, far, he's trying to over-muscle. That's why he was head-hunting people. Yeah. I think he's trying to compensate for the wind. And when he overcompensated for that, he was just head-hunting. And he beat it. Yeah. The wind said, okay, your disc can do what it wants. Dang. Exactly. So, Eagle McMahon, neck 23 to start the round for the last round. Bogey streak 11 through 14 really hurt him in a big way. At this point in the final, there was pretty much no way for him to pull off a top 10 finish. Super unfortunate. I mean, I like Eagle. And I was really hoping for a better finish. I thought Eagle was going to get top five. Yeah, game. at least. That background was brutal. So speaking of your top five, we got Calvin Heimberg for the win. Ezra Adderhold for second. Um, Ezra, where did he come from, too? Yeah, he just, he just I mean, up. Ezra just. He wasn't, he wasn't on any main cards. He wasn't on any. I mean, he was probably on one of the, he had to be on the chase card. No, yeah, I think he was on like the second or third one for like round two, round three. Like but yeah, that. he just came rocketing up. Yeah, he was like up there, you know, but like he wasn't really being talked about. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, shit. I, I, I didn't even realize who Ezra, I was like, where the, where the hell? It's funny because Ezra Adderhold, uh, he scrambled up the leaderboard to finish neg 29 along with negative 29 along with Kevin Jones. So he actually tied. He tied. And um, Klein tied with Drew Gibson for fourth. An amazing tournament to open the season. Waco, Texas for the next tournament. Uh, the Waco Annual Charity Open, March 10th through 12th. So we are on the uh, week mark for that tournament. Sorry. Yeah, next weekend. Right? Next. Yeah, I guess that would be next week. So honestly, yeah. So Ezra shot a 50 in the final when Kevin uh, Jones shot a 58. And that's, that's what is the Eight strokes. Yeah, that's I mean, brutal. it's pretty crazy to think that going into... Um, <laughs> going into 
round three, I believe it was. I want to say it was only like an eight-stroke deficit, uh, separating the first-place finish from the number 10 spot in the third round. So, um, I mean, I... I'll go with that because Kevin... So, Kevin Jones, after the third round, right? After the third round, he was plus three on Calvin, who ended up being the winner. But, so, Kevin Jones going into the finals was the leader, right? And he was plus three on Calvin. Ezra was three back, four back, four back. Ezra was eight back. That's... Did he even put on a solid Ezra was eight back going into the final round. Him is round. I would love to see that card. To end up tied with Kevin, but getting the second place because of his race. Yeah. So he was literally eight back. Eight back going into the fourth round in the final round and came back. He was eight back, bro, and came back to get second place. He gained eight fucking strokes in the final round. That's crazy. Look at Ezra's PDGA numbers. Ezra, bro. Ezra's, Ezra's the, the best final round. Final round. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's nobody who shot better than 50. Oh, no. Yeah, he best. He shot the best final round. 50. He shot the best final round. So, so where was pops to Ezra. Yeah, Ezra, man, killing it. Well, he would have been eight back right here. So if you just do the math. Like, yeah. You know, four, what, right? Four. So he would have been eight back behind. I mean, Kevin Jones, Kevin was going into the final round. Kevin Jones, man, 53, 51, 51, and then that 58. And then 58. Just, Kevin Jones, man, you were playing some amazing golf, brother. Outstanding disc, dude. And it kind of just turned for the same thing for Calvin. Everybody Calvin just had a turned. Game, but then they turned and played better, you know? So to open and the seriously. season, man, this this being the first tournament of the season, the first of 16, I am so excited to see what the rest of the season looks like. If this is the first tournament, we're already having all these kind of shift changes and uh, people throwing it's, new discs for the season. Fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be amazing. And I just want to leave you with this last little information with this round uh, or with this uh, tournament. So... There were two rounds of 50. One was thrown by Calvin, the eventual leader, in round three. He's the winner. The other one was Ezra, round four, who took second place. Yeah. Everybody else, there was no better round than a round 50. Oh, no, somebody shot a 49. Holy cow. Oh, Anthony Barella shot a 49 on round two. I missed uh, You got to think, though, oh, they're two different okay. courses, though. So, so that's, that's what it was, two different courses. Huh? So, I guess for Anthony Barilla, that was where the woes happened. He shot a round two was. that was solid for 49, and then his round two on the, his round four in the same course. And went, wow, good call. 11 strokes difference between the first round of that course and the second round of that course. Holy shit. So, yeah, I'm just saying, these guys finished out 50 rounders. Drew Gibson finishing a 48 round Matt three. Did round four, 49. Wow. I guess I got to look at my stats better. I didn't yeah. Anyways, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think that was a fantastic uh, first weekend, opening weekend, get the tour started, get everything going. The weekend was also weather-wise, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? just... It was interesting, it was interesting. And, there and there were people out there, out there supporting, supporting it, it in the cold, in the cold with, yeah, with the, you know, the you know, with the rain, with the wind, with everything. With everything. It, it, it seemed like, like um, Las Vegas, Las Vegas kicked it off, kicked it off at a pretty exciting. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
definitely. You know, they had a good and I, I love what Jomez did with this first tournament. I love that they did the uh, poker table intro with everybody. That yeah, was, was super fun. cool. Was I fun. had goosebumps. My yeah. wife was laughing at me. She's like, you're such a disc golf nerd. No, no, no. You, sent, you sent me that thing, too, and I literally, I think the text was, I was like, you just got me hyped. Yeah, I was like, this, this, this just got me hyped. You know? So I'm right there with you, brother. Like, Honestly, man, like, I feel good about this upcoming 2023 season and what they're what we're in store for. Bag changes, new courses. They're playing different courses this year too that they weren't playing last year. That they said there was like four. Also, I mean, there's a lot we're going to end up talking about in the second podcast. I mean, the disc golf pro tour has changed monumentally. They're actually changing up their rules this year for worlds. Oh shit! They're actually going to start putting into play the PDGA rating and giving those players a stroke advantage, which is pretty wild. So um, we're going to have to talk about that in the second podcast. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because especially when you're bringing in that rating stuff, man, that getting a stroke. I mean, I can understand getting like certain stuff, you know, right? But getting a stroke, man, that that's it. You're, you're, yeah, I mean, strokes can be game changers. Oh, yeah. So that'll be interesting. But hey, brother, man, you and I, more and more to come. I want to jump on here real quick and actually read the PDGAs. Uh, All right, yeah, I can. I'm. I'm gonna cut most of this out at the end. So we'll jump on here to show you the rule changes. Yeah, because I haven't seen any of the rule changes. I have to change. Changes to broadcast schedule. DGPTO, come on. I'm scrambling trying to find this one. No, you're all good, dude. I'm literally just going to We're going to edit this out in post yeah, for sure. It's going to be the fun part trying to figure all that shit out. All right. Disc Golf Pro Tour announces update to Tour Championship format. And the end of season awards. The Disc Golf Pro Tour is excited to announce an update to its championship event format. The Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship taking place in October of this year will once again take place at Nevin Park in Charlotte, North Carolina. The field of competitors will expand slightly this year with the FPO field adding four players for 20 total qualifying spots, which is nice for some of these other players that didn't make the cut last year. They're going to add four more spots, so the contention for that will be a little bit. Yeah, I don't don't mind expansion of of the people I, i'm waiting to see what the rest the mpo field oh that's for the oh, fpo actually the mpo field will stay the same with the top 32 players in disc golf pro tour points qualifying at the end of the regular season mvp open at maple hill the play an event for the bottom two spots in each field will be eliminated however if there's a player who has won a pdga pro major or a disc golf pro tour elite elite plus or playoff event in 2023 who otherwise does not qualify for the disc golf pro tour championship they will replace the lowest seed in their respective division and will be invited to play. That's fucking wild, bro. So you can finish 33rd because you won a tournament? Yeah, because you finished and get that 30 second yeah, get that spot. spot. The Disc Golf wow. Pro Tour Championship will maintain its two-stroke play format, but will now have a two, di- two, will have two distinct halves, a semifinal and a final. The semifinals and finals will have two rounds each for a total of four rounds. All players who qualified for the event will compete in a two-round semifinal instead of receiving buys to later rounds players will be given a number of starting strikes at the beginning of the semifinals based on their seeds as determined by disc golf pro tour points and standings 
After the first two rounds, the field will be cut. The top 12 men and the top 8 women will advance to the finals, and any ties will be broken by seed. So if you are in the number one seeding position, you have a starting stroke advantage of minus six. If you are second seeding position, you have a stroke advantage of minus five. Third, third through fourth seeding position, negative four stroke advantage. Five through eight, negative three stroke advantage. Nine through 16, negative two stroke advantage. 17 through 24th, negative one stroke advantage. And of course, 25 through 32, not having a stroke advantage at all. I don't know how I feel about this at all. I don't know how I feel about it. Bro, how do you give the number one guy a six-stroke advantage? I I don't know. He's the number one guy for a fucking reason. Mm -hmm. It's because he proves it on the course without having a stroke advantage. Yeah, but then so you give it to him a stroke advantage on the final fucking And that's why I'm saying it's not, it doesn't make sense to me. Right? If you've been playing hot all year and you've been in lead contention, (laughs) and then they give you a stroke advantage for the finals, that is, to me... Makes not a whole lot of sense. Okay, okay. CJ, right CJ, right now, now you and I, Siege, me and you, we go out to rock and disc golf right now. And you go, and you hey, go, Jeff, you played better than me last, last week. I'm going to give you a six-stroke advantage. advantage. We're playing for hundred dollars. I'm going into that round confident. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not good. You know what I'm saying? Like, but just just the simple fact of knowing that you've got that 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 like that that buffer zone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that would help, especially those really good players, dude. That would help with your psyche. Yeah, mentally, you'd be pretty stressed for you going into that round. Because you're like, dude, instead of like really trying to run a bird. Let me just lay up and just get my toe in for a par. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not chasing any type of point or anything. You're you're simply playing to be better than another person. So if you go for like a crazy putt, like say you're you know second zone, 35 feet out, right? And you're like, oh, I think I can run at this, right? I'm 10 feet out. out, You know, know? and you run it, and then all of a sudden you overshoot by 20 feet, feet, my 10 footer now becomes a little bit easier. easier Mm -hmm. Because if I get the birdie, oh, well, he still has to struggle to make his power. Because he's 20 feet out. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't know. That mental aspect of it is going to play a big factor, I think, because you're already going to step into it being really confident. I mean, by any means, we've if this tournament of the first tournament of the season didn't show us anything, it showed us that uh, it's anybody's game the minute they set foot out there. Uh, yeah, obviously, because, I mean, Calvin wasn't even on my radar in the beginning. Right. Uh, Macbeth, Macbeth was a little bit. Simon was more, you know what I'm saying? Um, AB came on after, you know, round two. I was like, oh, this fucker was winning it. Uh, Kevin came out of nowhere. But then you saw Garrett, I was really hoping for a better, Garrett, better yep, shot Garrett, you thought was going to be than Garrett. Um, Love that guy. Oh, Double yeah. G, dude. Uh, you are awesome. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Withers. Withers. Yeah, that was an interesting one. So 52, 54, and then finishing uh, 60 in round three. And then back to a 54. That third round, I mean, if you would play a little better on that third round. Man. And, and, and that's another thing, too, though, too. Also, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but when you're on the front card, right? You're on that, you're on that top card, mm-hmm. yeah. You play better, you play better with your competition. You know what I'm saying? Mm, I don't know. You don't think so? Don't think I think so? I think being on that lead card, it does apply a certain amount of pressure. Yeah, but you don't yeah, think but because you, you got to think. Calvin's stepping up. Calvin's stepping up. You don't think you're gonna try to step up. 
True. You know what I'm saying? When you play better competition, you tend to play better. When you play worse competition, you play to their level. Get what I'm saying? Get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So, if maybe you're playing on that third card, maybe your brain isn't thinking you're like, I got a shot. Right. But if you're playing on that lead card, you know. You know you have a shot. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm knocking on this goddamn door. All I got to do is take it down. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that, like, Withers, because it was the third round, then he kind of, he kind of you know, he had that 60. He was playing solid, but that third round dropped him back. So, what, he's playing on, like, the third, fourth card coming out, Yeah. right? So, does, you know, would you think that kind of plays with somebody's mental game? Just because they're like, fuck, man, like, I had it. I was there. Now I'm on this background. Yeah. And it's, I do think that you do play against your, like, your opponents. I think you up your game. I'd have to agree. I mean, I think that you're... The shapes of your shots. Um, your, I totally think. Yeah, I mean, if you're the four, if you're the fourth in line on the lead card and you're watching three people shoot in front of you and they're all they're all shanking them, you're like, okay, well, I know what I don't need to throw. And then if you see somebody that puts it in circle one bullseye and they throw a shot that you can shape, you know exactly what you're needing. How many times have you played? Just a regular round with just anybody, and like you're the second one throwing, and this person throws an absolute dart, goes through like the trees, and you're like, Whoa, how the hell did it get through the trees? And then next thing you do, you throw the exact, yeah, you follow the line, yeah, you know, and you're like, I swear my disc just got in the air pack, yeah, you know, like in the airstream, and it just there was no way getting around it, like my disc was gonna go that way, regardless of how I feel, you know, yeah, it's like I already formulated the shot in my mind. It was already there. You know what I'm saying? You already seen it. I'm splitting these two. Not to not to go super zen on anybody, but you know, formulate the shot in your mind and then it usually shapes out the way you want it to. Hey, I've thought that I'm my disc is gonna hit the chains a whole lot more than they actually have it. Oh yeah. Totally. Dude, and I'm from 350 know. feet away, I mean, most of the time you think you're a lot closer to the basket than you really are when you actually ace run it. I'm telling you. are like, hmm, I was like two feet, and you're like, oh no, that's like 20 feet. Our home course. That we play in, in Rockham, California. It's ace heavy. It's ace heavy. Right? Oh, oh, man. We need, we need to go get some shit. Nice it was a nice speaking with you, brother. Until and until next time, time we'll see you later. Anything else you got to say? Uh, look for episode two where we talk about uh, all kinds of disc changes and sponsor changes for multiple players. And we will cover the Waco, Texas Open. Join us next and week. Follow us on all social media. We will be popping up here shortly. So I'll let you know more details when I get them. Peace out, brother. Bye.